this is Gail Trotter, host of Right in D.C. Today we're speaking with Jamie Mendez. He's a current student at Indiana University. He also was a millennial participant at CPAC, and he's a first-generation American of Mexican heritage. We're going to talk with Jamie about his experiences at CPAC. We're also going to talk with him about his family's immigration to America and about Donald Trump and his campaign. You're not going to want to miss this. I'm Gail Trotter, and here's what I think. So we were at National Harbor last week attending CPAC, and I've been there for many years, and I just wanted to tell you a few of my impressions from CPAC. The Republicans who were there were very excited that they were there under the circumstances that Hillary Clinton is not president. And I think if we had been there and she had won the election, it would have been the environment of a funeral. Republicans, apparently, unlike Democrats, have a hard time operating in opposition effectively. And we're seeing with the Trump administration that Democrats have organized themselves. They've started the resistance. They have all sorts of hats that they're wearing, protests, marches that they're doing. And Republicans at at CPAC need to figure out how they're going to be able to stand up for their principles and understand how to take winning a contest, especially a presidential contest, and translate that into effective public policy. Now, I've just finished reading this book, How Trump Won the Inside Story of a Revolution. It was really fascinating because I've been in D.C. the last uh, many years, and I have been watching this from the inside. When the Republicans won the majority ship of the House, in 2010 and the majority ship of the Senate in 2012, they just didn't really seem to know what to do with it. So now Republicans have the House, they have the Senate, and they have the presidency. And the time is ripe not only to fix what went wrong during the the Obama years. And honestly, I'd like to just stop talking about President Obama. I was so tired when President Obama was president. He, he kept talking over and over again about how he had inherited this mess from George W. Bush. And he spent years talking about that. He might even still be talking about that right now on a golf course with Richard Branson on his private island in the Bahamas. But I don't think Republicans should fall into this mistake. Forget about President Obama. He's history. We need to focus on what we can do now to advance the American people on these very pressing topics of national security, the economy, and immigration. And that is my charge to the GOP and to all Americans that we now have the ability to put into practice policies that will ramp up our economy assure national security, help with foreign policy across the world, and reform our immigration system. And I'm going to leave you with that thought. If we can't do it with the House, the Senate, and the presidency, then there's something wrong in our country, and I'm not sure we can fix it. But I'm an optimist. I'm a happy warrior, and I think that we can pull it out. And here's hoping that the people in D.C. will get it right and follow this historic vote of the people who decided to put someone who had never held 
elected office before, never been in the military, and to the highest office in the entire world, and take advantage of that. I'm Gail Trotter, and that's what I think. I'd like to mention the great work going on at Best Buddies. They create opportunities for leadership growth for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. You can learn more about them at bestbuddies.org. Welcome back to Right in D.C. with Gail Trotter. Here's her guest in the hot seat. This is Gail Trotter, host of Right in D.C., and today we're talking with Jamie Mendez. Jamie Mendez, thank you so much for joining us today on Right in D.C. Thank you for having me. I understand that you are a college student. Which college are you attending right now? I am a student at the Kelly School of Business at Indiana University, Bloomington. Bloomington, Indiana. Fabulous. And I have heard that you attended CPAC, the uh, convention held of of all conservatives who are interested in coming to Washington, D.C. and learning more about political activism, seeing some of the luminaries of the conservative movement. Is that true that you attended CPAC this time? Yeah, I, um, uh, the opportunity was brought to me by my friend Matt Shoup, who who made it seem like a very great to go to to broaden my views and to see how the majority of people, not the majority, but a lot of different conservatives think, and I jumped at the opportunity. So this was your first CPAC that you've ever attended? Correct. And what was your impression of it? You came in, sounds like you came in with the expectation that you could learn more about conservative positions on national political issues. And were your expectations met by the speakers and by the people that you interacted with on the floors of the Gaylord National Resort? Well, absolutely, because uh, I was an Obama voter in 2012. I don't consider myself liberal. I don't consider myself a conservative. I've always been more of a model. I, my my strongest beliefs are in free market capitalism. So I thought that maybe CPAC would be a cool place to meet some similar-minded people. And I went and I did meet a lot of people. Uh, my favorite speaker at CPAC was actually Ted Cruz. I found him very well-spoken and I, I, he, he impressed me. Although I did not like him very much in the primaries, I saw him as a very smart man. And what about his speech most resonated with you? Do you remember a line that particularly spoke to you or a theme that he had that made a big impression on you? Well, just how calm and composed he was. Like, you, you don't see that a lot with, with most modern politicians. You see them spazzing out a lot. You see them pushing the point way too hard. But this man, that came naturally to him. Very calm it, it and was more of the collected. Theme. Yeah, he... He seemed in control. Like That's how you see someone's intelligence really shine. And did you see many people your age at CPAC, or how would you describe the people that you saw and encountered and interacted with at CPAC this year? I actually saw more young people than old people there. I, I was surprised. Well, the typical well, like caricature of a conservative is an old white guy, right? Right. Well, there were a lot of old white guys, but there was also a lot of young people, a lot of young women, a lot of young minorities, a lot of young white kids. It was everyone there. It was great. And did you have an opportunity to socialize with them at all? Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, where the convention is held in the National Harbor, it, it is very open. There are a lot of places where you can go and meet and network with these people and share ideas, bounce ideas off of each other. It's a cool place. And what would you say is the way that things feel on your campus right now? We're reading a lot of stuff in the national press about attacks on free speech that conservatives or even people who don't necessarily agree with everything on the liberal college agenda are being intimidated from speaking. They are having meetings disrupted. They are not free to express their views on controversial topics or even uncontroversial topics how would you describe the climate at your university well i think indiana university does a very good job of keeping a platform for anyone and everyone like you see people that are activating for gay rights and then you see people that are activating act their activists for celibacy and you see people that are activists for uh black lives matter you see people that are activists for um, like ultra conservative movements. I really think IE does a good job of separating what they do from what the students do. Did you get any uh, sense of that from other college students who are attending CPAC? Did they have any types of programs? Since there were so many young people at CPAC, did they offer any panels or discussions that would help college students take the mountaintop experience of CPAC back to their campuses and maybe be able to try and persuade some of the people like you who are moderate, who do care about free market and care about capitalism and prosperity and equal opportunity, any way to equip and empower these college students to go back to their communities and take what they learned from CPAC and share it with others. I actually saw a an astounding number of kids who were in the Young Republicans Organization and the Young Americans for Freedom, which uh, both are active on my campus. And these kids um, spread some conservative ideals to others. And I think coming from CPAC, where it's like a beehive of all these types of things, and then bringing it back to your school to spread the ideas, I, I think that's kind of how that works. And it's, it's an effective mechanism because that's how I ended up at CPAC, because Matt Shute was in. Young, uh, young Americans for Freedom, and he was in a uh, college Republican before that. And do you think there's an effective way that these college students from different universities who meet at CPAC can collaborate over email, Facebook, whatever young people use now, Snapchat, uh, to to keep the message going forward in an effective manner so that they, like, sounds like your university is pretty open to conservative ideas, in fact, all ideas, and is a real marketplace of different political philosophies, but that's not necessarily the case at other universities. Are there ways that can, uh, college students who care about these ideas can effectively engage across colleges there's actually a website that i don't want to push but reddit.com has a lot of different pages for different philosophies like there are pages where you can go if you are a uh there are literally pages for anything and there are websites with thousands and thousands and millions of young people right and you can be from any university you can spout ideas and news gets put on there about universities what they're doing wrong and it's, it helps shed a light to things on national news, but it makes the national news, you know? So that's how you can make something 
that you may think is wrong at your university have the national spotlight uh, reddit like that that's that's a good site for young people to go and speak politics and did you see anything at cpac that you were not expecting to see anything that was really shocking or surprising that you would not have expected to see at cpac Oh, I love seeing Ken Bone. That, that was a highlight. <laughs> Can you tell our listeners who Ken Bone is for those who didn't follow the debates? He's a man in the red sweater. He's he's world famous now. He's uh he's, he's a character though. He's such a nice man. He asked a question. I think it was a presidential debate, right? Yes. And he got he got a national audience just because of his demeanor. The guy is just such a nice dude. You wouldn't expect him to be. He's a great, great person. And was he wearing his red sweater at CPAC? Absolutely. Trademark. <laughs> and we, um, how, did, how did it seem outside of the Gaylord Convention Center? Were you able to go to any of the restaurants or shops in the National Harbor is set up as kind of its own little community. It's not actually in D.C., it's in Maryland, and it's set sort of on an outcrop right next to the Potomac River. Did you get a chance to walk around National Harbor at all? Well, yeah, thank God I'm 21 because a lot of those National Harbor restaurants are also bars. So me and my friends had some fun times after the conferences and met a lot of other people who were there for the same thing. When we were at the conferences or in the National Harbor, we also hit up D.C. and visited the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial. We visited the Fed Building. We visited the Library of Congress. It was a, it was a beautiful trip seeing D.C. And, I mean, the National Harbor is nice, too, but the real, the real jewel is visiting the, the historic monuments of our country. And do you think that the National Harbor was a good location for CPAC, or would you, you, this is your first time, so you don't have anything to compare it with, but previously CPAC would be held at a hotel actually in D.C. in the city proper. Did you have a sense of whether there was anything um, that would have been gained from actually having CPAC in the city itself, or if it was totally acceptable to have it out at National Harbor? It would have been a much more powerful experience if it were held in D.C., and why do you think that? Uh, just because of the history. Like, you, you feel like it, it's more important. They're, they're, you are where history was made hundreds of years ago and where it continues to be made. You feel like you're part of the discussion for the future of the country. You get that a little bit at the harbor, but you also feel like you're in a bubble. The, the, the harbor feels like a little bit of a bubble, seeing, being that it's a, a resort town, kind of, just like with the Ferris wheel and all that. Like, it's a cool place. But the, the nation's capital, I think, is where our future is being crafted. And, and if, we're, if we make CPAC, all these young people will feel more empowered to believe that they are the future, that their ideas matter more. I think Washington, D.C. is a much better location for, for CPAC going forward. That's right. And do you think you'll attend CPAC again in the future? If it's in D.C. Awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us on Right in D.C. Three, right, two, one. Me. I love talking to you. Okay, I think we're going to do a second segment. If you still have, do you still have time? Oh uh, yeah, right now or with the break? Yeah, time? right now. Uh, just about 30 in seconds. in about thirty seconds. James just showing like me something. Yeah, it works for me. Okay. <coughs> <coughs> 
Should we do this? Because the next part, we're gonna, I'm sorry, I'm asking James a question. Um, should we do this, or should the next part be more about the experience of his family? Experience with the family, I just want to. Okay. I, I want your opinion. I okay. Okay, I agree, I agree. Okay, okay we're going to go ahead and start with the second segment now, Jamie, if you're ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, I'll count down. Three, two, one. This is Gail Trotter, host of Right in D.C. We're continuing our conversation with Jamie Mendez. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us on Right in D.C. Yeah, thanks for having me. I understand that you are a first-generation American. That must be an amazing feeling. How do you feel about that? I couldn't be more proud to be a citizen of the best country on Earth. And I understand your family is of Mexican origin. Is that correct? Absolutely, yes. And uh, you certainly have the uh, authority to speak on, I think, probably what is one of the most controversial issues right now on the national political stage, which is immigration. Uh, Your family obviously benefited from America's immigration policy, and now you have the equal opportunity, the uh, prosperity, the uh, liberty that Americans enjoy. And what led your parents, your family, to decide to leave Mexico and come to America? Well, my grandfather was a migrant worker way back in the 60s. He would come every summer. I don't know exactly how it worked, but he had a green card or something, and he eventually became a resident and then a citizen, and then he fixed the paperwork for all of his 10 kids to become United States citizens, right? 10 kids, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome, and all of them loved the country. And so my dad moved to California when he was 17. I think that's when he got his final, like, green go or whatever, and he comes here. So your dad was born in Mexico. Uh, my father was, yeah. Both Great. my father and mother were born in Oh, both parents. Great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they moved to the United States legally when they were both young. They were 16 uh, for my mother, 17 for my dad. They met working at some manufacturing company, and they had me. And I was a happy little baby. They moved to Indianapolis a little bit later and had another kid. Now, you know that... Uh, Donald Trump, when he was running for president, made the statement that uh, Mexican and Mexico was sending criminals to America. And I think the press kind of caricatured what he said. He did not say that all Mexicans were rapists or criminals, but he certainly said that some of them were. what how did your family how did you and members of your family feel when these comments were made and did you believe how the media was caricaturing caricaturing his comments well the mexican and and hispanic community in the united states and in all of central and south america feels marginalized and humiliated by donald trump uh, I understand that he is all for legal immigration, and, and that's amazing. A lot of our country was built on legal immigration. But he should have really chosen his words more carefully instead of calling the, everybody from it. Like, I know that he didn't say every single person from this country is a rapist and a murderer, and he's right in saying that a lot of people spilling over here illegally are criminals, and I believe 100% that they should be taken, rounded up, and deported. But when there are hardworking legal immigrants who 
he is throwing under the same umbrella, I think that's disrespectful to them. And even though they are breaking the law, they are not rapists and criminals. They should be in a separate box, maybe. Like, they are, they are nonviolent offenders. Right. And uh, you know that when Kate Steinle was murdered, her murderer was had been deported four or five times, had returned to San Francisco because it's a sanctuary city, meaning that they resist federal law on notifying deportation agencies in the United States and the federal government that if they have taken in a criminal, that they are uh, in custody so that the federal uh, immigration customs enforcement agency can begin deportation proceedings for people who are uh, convicted of crimes. What is the feeling of, or how do you view the trying to change that policy of sanctuary cities by cutting off federal funding to those cities to make sure that people like the murderer of Kate Steinle are not freed four or five times to continue to harm other people. Okay, so I think the major point here is federal funding is silly, but we will leave that aside. Uh, Sanctuary cities I don't think are a good idea. At the same time, immigration policy must be reformed because you do get these cases like that. But at the same time, I don't think you can use this man and portray other illegals as him. He he was a psychopath, just like John Wilkes Booth was a psychopath. You can't blame a you can't like you can't use this man's actions and and justify policy to destroy the lives of millions because this man was a psycho. It's the same way that, let's say, the Patriot, the Patriot Act is, is um, legislation that occurred because of a tragedy. Yes, it was a tragedy, but limiting our, our personal freedoms because of that is not the way to go. Maybe that's controversial, but I am a firm believer in personal freedom and personal choice. And if a person, then that is on him. I, I believe that this man is a murderer. He should have been executed. He should not have been let into the country a second time he should not have been in here a first time he should not have been in here a third time this man is a horrible horrible person and i am ashamed that he is of my same heritage and you if i remember correctly you voted for president obama in his re-election in 2012 but then you also voted for donald trump in the 2016 election is that correct I voted for Obama as, a, as an uninformed college freshman. I was persuaded by the man's charm and charisma. But no, I did not vote for Donald Trump. Although I preferred him over Hillary, I abstained from voting because I could not consciously, um, I, could, I, I do not morally support all of his positions. I, I don't like protectionism. I don't like him scapegoating minority groups. But I do like a lot of the directions where he is going. I like that he is slashing um regulation i like that he's doing that i like that he's that he is stirring up some nationalistic fervor in our country i love that and i I like the man i respect him as our president but i personally did not vote for him because it went against my values and do you see that if he are there things that he could do during his presidency that would make you vote for him in his re-election in 2020 oh yes yes because I, I believe that social issues are secondary to economic issues. If I see my country performing 
well economically if we can if we can if we can get back to to levels where we see high interest rates we see high gdp growth then i would absolutely elect the man because to me social issues must be you see these personal stories that that are, are emotional and maybe like a few amount of people care a lot about them but the economy affects everyone every day and i think that is a lot more important along with national security along with foreign relations stuff like that if he really does well in those fields then i will vote for him in 2020. well jamie we'll check back in with you in november 2020. jamie mendez thank you so much for joining us on right in dc today thank you very much music provided by local band trio caliente Visit their website, triocaliente.com, or sample their music on iTunes. We also want to give a special thank you to Hillsdale College. We are recording today's podcast at the Kirby Center on Capitol Hill. Hillsdale College is located in South Central Michigan, and you can learn more about the college at hillsdalecollege.edu. You can like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and hear me every week on iTunes. This is Gail Trotter, right in D.C.